So Passover was fulfilled. But even though we weren't alive, when Jesus was alive and fulfilled Passover, we can still experience the fulfillment of Passover. Right? So we're finishing our Passover to Pentecost, 50 Days That Changed the World series. So we're going to talk today, the title of the message is Pentecost. I started with the title of the message on Easter was Passover. Now we're going to talk about Pentecost. Now I want to um, share with you something about this word that maybe you feel as well. The word Pentecost um, scared me for years. The reason it scared me is because it's close to another word. It sounds like Pentecostal. <laughs> and for me, growing up, that was a scary word. Anybody here relate to that? I knew some Pentecostals. So when you read in the Bible the word Pentecost, you might associate it with something that makes you afraid or makes you think you've got to be a little, act a little weird in church. And unfortunately then you might associate that with the person of the Holy Spirit. And you might think, I'm, I don't mind at all. Matter of fact, I'm glad I invited Jesus into my life. But I don't really want to invite a person who would make me lose my mind. Now, I'm just saying what you might think. Again, I'm not trying to be negative about someone. Are y'all following me? So I'm, we're going to talk about Pentecost. So here's point number one is, what is Pentecost. Well, let me give you the definition of the word Pentecost, but let me warn you, okay? This is a spoiler. Uh, it's, it's scary, okay? It's, it's, it's scary, so just, you know, hold on, because it's scary, okay? The word Pentecost from the Greek, it's a Greek word, means 50, And this, isn't that scary? <laughs> 50. <laughs> That's all it means. 50. That's all it means. It means 50. Pentecost was the celebration, the Jewish celebration of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. It occurred 50 days after Passover. Uh, when they took the blood of the lamb, put it on the doorpost, and they were delivered from the death angel, and then they were delivered out of Egypt, out of bondage. Fifty days later, God descended on Mount Sinai and gave the law. But it was 50 days after Passover. But Pentecost was 50 days after the resurrection. Passover was on Saturday, it was Friday, when Jesus was crucified, then you had the Sabbath, then 
50 days from the resurrection. So how did that change? I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but when you're a math guy and you hear Jesus was on the earth 40 days and then 10 days and then Pentecost, you think, wait, there's something wrong with this math because Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. Well, way back in Leviticus, God changed it, Leviticus 23, to the day, on the day they celebrated it, verse 15, and you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the, de- from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed, which by the way, the Hebrew word means seven sevens. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. So God knows that he wants the Holy Spirit to come 50 days after the resurrection, not after Passover. He knows he wants his son on the earth 40 days and he wants him to wait 10 days. So back in Leviticus, he says, listen, we're changing this. Even though the law came 50 days after Passover, I want you to now celebrate this. It's called the Feast of Weeks, seven weeks plus that day. I want you to celebrate the Feast of Weeks 50 days from the first Sabbath after the Passover. So the Passover is on Thursday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Friday like it was when Jesus was crucified. I don't want you to start the 50 days until the the day after the Sabbath. And then you count, because God knows his son is going to rise on the day after the Sabbath. Isn't that incredible? (laughs) So he puts it all together in 50 days. That's why we have the phrase that we'll read in a moment, Acts 2 verse 1 that says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come. In other words, when the day of 50 had fully come. Now remember, this is, this is the giving of the law. So you have to, it was the celebration of the giving of the law, but it's when the giving of the Spirit was. You have to see how wonderful God is in this. The giving of the law, there was a sound from heaven. God wrote his law on tablets of stone and 3,000 people died. The giving of the Spirit, God wrote his law on tablets. There was a sound from heaven. God wrote his law on tablets of flesh, people's hearts, and 3,000 people were saved. It's showing the law brings death, the Spirit brings life. So it comes. See what I'm saying? It's just, it's, it's, it's perfect how God works all this out. So that's what Pentecost is. Here's, here's point number two. What, what happened at Pentecost? What actually happened at Pentecost? Well, before I get you to Acts 2, I want to go back again and show you an analogy and show you something that happened in the Old Testament. Really not an analogy, but a fulfillment of something that happened. Before I get to that scripture, I want to show you another scripture. All right? And I want you to hold on to this scripture, and we will talk about it for a moment. Zephaniah 3.9 says, For then, now this for then refers to when the Messiah comes. For then, when the Messiah comes, I will restore to the peoples, just notice peoples is plural, because the word here is nations. I'll restore to the nations a pure language, that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. Will will you remember the phrase, one accord? 
Will you remember that? Hello? It's just two words. Remember the phrase, one accord. I'm going to restore, when the Messiah comes, I'm going to restore to the peoples, the nations, all the nations, a pure language so they can worship me and call on the Lord with one accord. So remember one accord, okay? Now, the other thing I want you to notice is a pure language. Every language in the world has curse words in it. Every language in the world has filthy words, dirty words in it. But he said, I'm going to restore a pure language. So is he talking about the language of heaven? Because when we get to heaven, there aren't going to be dirty words. No filthy speech in heaven. No impure, immoral words. But the big word I want you to see in this verse is restore. He didn't say I'm going to give a pure language. He said I'm going to bring back. <laughs> I'm going to restore a pure language so they can be in one accord to all the nations. Everyone follow me? So if he's going to bring it back, when did he take it away? Well, back in Genesis 11, there's a story about the Tower of Babel. The word Babel, by the way, means confusion. By the way, Babylon, the city, Babylon, means sown planted in confusion. So go back to Genesis 11, and, and, and let me just say something else. What, what language did they speak before the Tower of Babel? And don't say Hebrew, because Jesus, God didn't start the Jewish nation until Genesis 12, the next chapter, with Abraham. But they all spoke one language, and he's going to bring back a pure language. <clears throat> Genesis 11, verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language. The whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone. They had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build this tower to heaven. And then look at verse 6. And the Lord said... Indeed, the people are one. Could we say in one accord? And they all have one language. And they can all understand each other, by the way. And this is what they begin to do, build this tower to heaven. Now watch what God says. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Now this is pretty amazing. They want to build a tower to heaven, and God said, since they're in unity, and they have this language, they could actually do what they're trying to do. Nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them if they have this language and they're in unity. 
Now, I can tell you're not ahead of me yet. In Acts chapter 2, they get a language that everybody can understand, and they're all in one accord. Can I say it one more time? With this language, if they'll come together in unity, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. If I can get my people in unity, in one accord, and using this pure language, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. And in Zephaniah, he said, and I'm going, in the day of the Messiah, when the Messiah comes, I'm going to restore. I'm going to bring back the pure language that I took away. This is so much better than you think it is. This is really incredible. Let me just ask you this. Why do you think Satan fights this so much? <laughs> I can tell you this, because when the first church got it, they turned the world upside down. Yeah. Nothing they proposed to be the hell in verse 7. Come. Let us, all right, hold on just a moment. Let me key in on the word us. This reminds you of Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us build man. Let us build man. Remember, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The only reason I want you to notice that is God the Holy Spirit's a part of this conversation. Now watch what God the Holy Spirit is a part of the conversation. Let us go down. Can you, tell, can you remind me what happened on the day of Pentecost? The Holy Spirit came down. So let us go down and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Do you remember on the day of Pentecost, they could understand every one of them, could understand all from all these nations and understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. Now remember, I told you to remember the words, one accord, they were confused, they were scattered. Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost, verse 1, had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were all with one accord and in one place in Genesis 11. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where you're sitting. Verse 6. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together. I didn't have time to put it in there. Verse 5, though, says that there were people from every nation on earth. You look it up for yourself. Verse 5. They were people from every nation, and they came together. Remember in Tower of Babel, they were scattered. And they came together, and they were confused. Because they got confused <laughs> 2,000 years before. <laughs> because everyone heard. You know what this word heard means? Understood. They understood them speak in his own language. They understood this. Pentecost is not just the blessed reversal 
of the giving of the law because the law brings death and the spirit brings life. But Pentecost is the blessed reversal of the Tower of Babel. When they, and here's why, let me tell you why. <laughs> At the Tower of Babel, they were all in unity and they all spoke one language. But they weren't redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And their hearts were wicked. And so their purposes were wicked. So God said, I'm going to have to take this language away from them, and I'm going to have to scatter them. But after my son comes and dies on the cross for their sins and redeems them, I'll be able to come and bring them back together and give this language back. See, you can't be in unity if you can't understand a person's language. So that's what happened in Pentecost. Here's, here's number three. Can I experience Pentecost? See, Pentecost happened 2,000 years ago, 50 days after Jesus, the resurrection. But we weren't there. And there's a real popular line of thinking in the body of Christ that it was a one-time event. And we, none of us can experience it because we weren't there. Well, here, here's the problem. When we say it happened 2,000 years ago, I, I'd like to use a different word. It was fulfilled 2,000 years ago. See, Passover was fulfilled on the, on the day Jesus Christ. We don't have to still shed a lamb, the blood of a lamb for our sins, because the lamb from heaven came. So Passover was fulfilled. But even though we weren't alive when Jesus was alive and fulfilled Passover, we can still experience the fulfillment of Passover by just receiving Jesus into our lives, right? So even though we weren't alive, when the Holy Spirit fulfilled Pentecost, we can still receive the fulfillment of Pentecost by simply receiving the Holy Spirit into our lives. So the Holy Spirit comes, Peter gets up and he explains it. He said, listen, this is what was prophesied in the prophet Joel. In the last days, I'm gonna pour my spirit on everybody, all flesh. Your, your young men are gonna see visions. Your old men are gonna dream dreams. By the way, I still have visions. <laughs> but I'm starting to dream more, but anyway, okay. But your, your young men shall prophesy, your young women shall prophesy, everybody, I'm gonna pour my spirit on. He said, this is what happened. And he said, what makes this possible is Jesus is the Messiah, and he came and he died on the cross for your sins. And then this was their response, Acts chapter two, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, I want you to tell me, he tells them three things. Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus. So in other words, repent, believe in Jesus, get saved, turn to Jesus, and then be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins, and 
you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Once you, you need to get saved, you need to get baptized, and you need to receive the gift of the Spirit. And Jesus called the gift the promise in Acts 1. And now I want you to notice, because see again, this popular line of thinking in the body of Christ is, well, that was for them, but it's not for us. Now watch what Peter says here. Verse 39, it's very important. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. It's not just for you. It's for your children and your grandchildren and all who are far off. They can all receive the promise. They can all receive the Holy Spirit. Everybody can. Acts 8. They, go, they take the gospel to Samaria. I'm just going to show you two passages in Acts and then we're done. Acts 8. But when they believed Philip, so that's when they got saved. They believed as he preached things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Both men and women were baptized. They believed and they got baptized. Now listen to me. This is Acts 8. This is years after Acts 2. So that means that they don't need to do anything else, right? Not according to what the apostles knew. Verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Well, I thought they were already saved. They were. I thought they'd already been baptized. They had. So why would the apostles say, now go pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit, if they didn't need to, if this wasn't a third step that we need to do? For as yet, he explains, he had fallen upon none of them. They'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And then one other passage, Acts 19, and verse 1. It happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. By the way, Pentecost was in 30 AD. Acts 19 is 54 AD. 24 years later. 24 years after Pentecost. And finding some disciples, this is what Paul said. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, it's, 20, it's 24 years after Pentecost. Now, you can read, apparently they went to the church I went to growing up. They said, we haven't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. Because <laughs> I didn't hear much about the Holy Spirit. Now, now he's going to check out their salvation. So he said, and then what were you baptized? They said it to John's baptism. Now he's going to lead them to Christ. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with baptism of repentance, saying to people they should believe on him who would come after him, and that is Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, they believed and they're baptized. Isn't that all you need? You would think the preeminent apostle of the New Testament would know if there's not a third step, he would know about it. Watch the next verse. And when, verse 6, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. 24 years after Pentecost. 24 years later. 
Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? The old King James says it this way. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? But because of the crazy stuff, many of us kind of stiff-arm the Holy Spirit, who's the person Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send someone to you who will lead you into all truth, who will tell you things to come, who will guide you, who will remind you of everything I said, who will walk beside you, which is what the Greek word for, for Holy Spirit means, who'll walk beside you, a comforter, a parakletos, one who'll walk, come along beside you and walk. And yet we don't really want anything to do with him because we've seen some weird things. I think this is one of the most important questions that I could ever ask you. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And yes, when we receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. But many of us have been taught to be afraid of Him or to kind of resist Him, to hold hands up. Sometimes we think He's the crazy uncle that when He shows up, we don't know what He's going to do. That's not the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's some people that you've seen, but that's not the Holy Spirit. So I want to ask you again a very important question. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? You can receive Him right now by simply saying to Him, Holy Spirit, I receive you. I receive you into my life the same way I receive Jesus. I want you to lead me and guide me and fill me and use me for your kingdom. What a great series, Passover to Pentecost, 50 days that changed the world. I'm going to begin a new series next time. I'll see you.